0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik.
1: I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms
0: and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. It's Dr. Dina Kulik and Alana K. Fitz coming to you live from Toronto, Canada. And tonight we're super pumped to have Hannah Ross join us tonight on our sofa from Vital Wellness. She's the owner and physio, uh, pelvic physiotherapist. And we're going to get right into it. And talk Hannah. about vaginas. We're going to talk Yay, about vaginas. vaginas. Thanks for having me. We're super pumped <laughs> to <laughs> have you. <laughs> <for> coming. <laughs> we love vaginas. It's
2: good. You have them, so... We, should should love them. Love them. <laughs> we love healthy vaginas we love that work healthy. properly
0: and stay upstairs. Stay, upstairs. Right. stay where
2: they're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
0: Hannah, tell us about you. Give us a, a high level about who you are. Tell us about vital wellness.
2: So, Go for it. okay. That's a big question. Um, I am a mother of four. Um, I own a pelvic physiotherapy and wellness clinic. Um, I am a mother, a sister, a wife. Mm-hmm. I am many things, but um, I'm also a business owner. Yes. And um, mom boss. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hashtag mom boss. That's right. Um, so I basically started uh, vital physiotherapy because I needed pelvic physiotherapy. And um, I was having a lot of pelvic pain, and a friend of mine. Um, was getting trained in pelvic physio and asked me to just. She, she was like, "Let me just try it on you. I'm sure. Like, let's just see what happens." And it changed my life. Like, I was I was in a state where I didn't trust my body anymore, and went for pelvic physio. And um, I was like, "Oh my god, I have a whole new lease on life." This okay. was after your first kid or second. This, or so what? this was in between. I know it's hard with four. So it was in between um, number two and number three. Mm-hmm. Um. I like. I went for um, ultrasounds, and I was told like everything anatomically was great, but um, I I really didn't I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and is post delivery? This is after delivery. Yeah. Did you have like, like a particularly traumatic later. delivery
1: or, or normal? No, not at all. No big
2: Like she was, this was my second, I have three girls and one boy. This is after girl number two. And she was like six pounds. Like we're not talking about like amazing <laughs> delivery. I had an epidural. I still felt the urge to push. Like it was textbook exactly what I wanted. And I was still in a lot of pain afterwards. Um, and so after, um, I went for physio. I was like, this changed my life and I really, really wanted to do it for other people. But then, funny story, I was pregnant with my third at that time and the next training was actually on my due date. Mm. Um, I usually go late with my babies, but in this particular instance, my son, who is my third, was born on his due date. So it's a very good thing I didn't sign up for the Mm -hmm. training on the very first available date. But um, I went and I got trained and I, I... as a physio, I was working in a couple different places at that, you know, when I, um right after I had my third. I had I was working in schools, I was working um in a retirement home, I ran their physio program, I was working at outpatient clinic like I had a whole bunch of things going on. But I just really wanted to get started. So I actually started doing home visits. I started I just bought a massage table. Um I got whatever um Stuff I needed, and I just started to go and visit people in their home. Okay, so let's pause for a minute. Pelvic floor
0: physiotherapy is basically getting fingered by a professional. So, right?
1: Hannah saw me but, after I had my third. Yes. And Andrew calls it the time that Hannah fingered Dina. <laughs> he was in the room, he sat on these very couches while I lay on the floor on a yoga mat, and Hannah fingered me. And Andrew <laughs> he watched. A table. And I think Andrew thought it'd be sexy.
2: No, no. It was not no, in any way sexy. No, no. I mean it's it's <laughs> a all. it's a it's a nicer, less it's a less um scary experience than having like an actual pap smear. Like there's no speculum, but it it's literally like assessing the muscles internally. Yes. Um with a glove and lube.
0: Just, just on a yoga mat massage just, just, just for the Whatever record works. i am a, i'm a patient and client of vital <laughs> it is the most dignified place gorgeous client focused i feel like i in walk into clouds when i'm there just <laughs> yeah. for the record okay
2: right because it is a very like when when we we actually talk about vaginas um i always ta- I, I always like go back to like maslow's hierarchy of needs like the basics of what your life needs like mm-hmm. Being able to pee and poo having um like having intercourse without pain. Feeling what you're supposed to feel when you're having intercourse, like may, knowing that your organs are staying where they need to be. Those are really basic things, and if they're not working, like it really affects your sense of self. And what I grew up like
0: believing was like, as women get older, you pee yourself. Right. That's just yes. what you do, right? You yeah, just pee lot of our and friends that's, think that that's normal. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Or, I'm like or, just waiting to buy depends, like really big right, ones. Like right. I'm just waiting for the day. That's the way, what that, I grew up with. That yeah. industry
2: lives off of that fallacy as well. Um, in in France. I, in Germany, pelvic health physio is covered by the government. You get 10 visits after having a baby. Every single oh, woman. God. Yeah. It's it's hmm. like, move. it's only here where people are like, oh, this is so new. It's not new. It's just that we are now getting, tra- they're training more physios um, here. You you have to go to the States or go, um, go overseas to get trained. And now they're training more people here. And the reality is um, that, even when when I was talking with friends while I was getting trained, you know, and they had just had babies, and they were like, "So you having your glass of wine? Like, oh my god! Like, have you had sex yet? Like, I I don't want to have sex. Like, just have a glass of wine. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna be fine." And now, like in retrospect, I'm like, okay, if I could have, I could have gone back in time and like said, like that's actually not true. You know, we don't have to all these things that we just um, we take for granted as. You know, well, what what do you expect? Like, you've had babies, so give up on everything. Give up on feeling like... I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that your body's going to be exactly the same after you have a baby. I'm not going to tell you that in your 20s, your, ba- your body's going to be the same as your 30s, whether you've had a baby or not. Your body changes. right? But it doesn't mean that your body can't work amazingly and quite truthfully be stronger than it was before because nobody's coming for pelvic physio if there's no issue, right? Uh, we, I, My dream is that every woman who has... Um, has a baby comes, Just gets assessed because you actually don't really know what's going on there um, until you are assessed. That was my experience. So so you assessed me. Yeah. I think things were fine. <laughs> yeah, I think you want Andrew yeah. saying that, Hannah. Finger banged. <laughs> the top, by the way, so that's told, gonna, so I'm going
1: to be giggling about that you know, for the rest of the night. Andrew's <laughs> like, Andrew's like, who's coming to the podcast? I go, Hannah, he's like, the girl that finger banged you? <laughs>
0: this is, is like his bang. thing. I think this the is name kind will always
1: be synonymous bang. with the girl that finger banged me in, the, in my family room. And it was my family room. Like, I think it was in a clinic at the time you're doing home visit. It. So there's yeah. that. It's just the mm-hmm. family room lying on my yoga mat on the floor. Um, and so I got assessed because I thought... I did ask consent just for those of you. Yeah, who it, wasn't touch? it wasn't right. creepy. It wasn't creepy.
0: Julie says to me, may I touch?
1: I think the problem was he was really excited about the concept and it wasn't so fun for him. Um, yes. Anyway, there was, it was super non-sexual. But anyway, so I got assessed because I had a lot of friends around the time yeah. that had had two or three kids or even one, and were having issues with incontinence. They were peeing themselves a bit when they laughed, or um, they weren't enjoying sex as much, or whatever the story was yeah. for them. I actually never had any issues. Right. Uh, I've never, ever had a drop of urine, laughing, whatever, anything post or or during pregnancy. Um, and, uh, and I think it's all right up there. Anyway, so I got assessed. We, you suggested some Kegels and things like that, yeah. which I did throughout my pregnancies. And, which is and very posed, rare, whatever. by the
2: way. Um, to do them to um, it's very rare for when I assess somebody at this point for them to just need to do Kegels like you were actually amazing yeah um, it, super yeah. vagina Dina Yay, Dr. Dina has a super vagina, vagina. Um, <laughs> we need but, like a picture of like a vagina with like ooh. with a strong yes well what I what <laughs> we find more often than not now is so we treat based on like a it's called a biopsychosocial perspective um, of pain and of a, a, a treatment model meaning we have to take into account both the biology, the muscles, the psychology, where like where you're at, and the and socially where you're at, because we know that your pelvic floor muscles are often um, an area where we guard and we protect. So a lot of our clients, a lot of women who have had any form of delivery, um, we often when we assess them, we find that they're actually overusing those muscles. Mm. So whereas when somebody says pelvic floor, the first thing you think about is Kegel. Um, When you think about a muscle, if you contract a muscle, in order to use it again, you actually have to release those muscles. Um, and more often than not, we're finding that women don't know how to relax those muscles, mm. not that they don't know how to contract them.
1: Yeah. I found it interesting. I remember like, I don't remember the exactly the, the idea, but it was something like an elevator or like holding in a, yeah. some kind of fruit and bringing it up a blueberry, and bringing it down. a blueberry, a blueberry, a <laughs> blueberry, whatever it was. It actually, the visualization of it was really, was really unique. Like yeah. when I do Kikos, I just think of like clenching my vagina, unclenching right. my vagina. Right. Like that's right. what everyone thinks of, right? And yeah, I guess it's gotten me this far where I haven't had any issues and delivered four kids vaginally without epidurals. And, and, and I think actually that helped. To Honest, hundred percent. My I think last if, two were if, without epidurals. Yeah, I think if more women different. tried without epidurals, they would probably tear less and things. Sometimes it's needed. I get that. I've yep. never had thirty-hour deliveries or labors. You know, all my kids have been less than four hours. So, Me I mean, that's too. my last two were really quick. Right. My yeah. first was my shortest actually. My entire labor delivery experience with my first was ninety minutes. Andrew caught my son because oh there's no God. nurse or doctor in the room. Um, we actually wrote about it, both of us from our own perspective. So if you look at drdina.ca, you can see that perspective. I'm going to go check that out actually. um, Very interesting, and unique delivery, all caught on video without an epidural, (laughs) not by choice actually. So as the, as the um, anesthesiologist was trying to place the epidural, I'm like, he's crowning and she's like, Oh my God, really? And ran out of the room, left me, completely left me. And Andrew's like, what do I do? And I'm like, I'm going to push now because I have no feeling other than I need to get this baby out of me. Um, and then he caught and it was on video and it was very cool. anyway, luckily I hardly teared with any of my kids. And I think part of it is that I didn't have an epidural so I could feel everything I could push as my body wanted me to, um, that sort of thing. So I think it's valuable to think about the concept of not having an epidural. That being said, if I had 20 hours of labor, I would have chosen epidural. So, um, yes, but anyway, but there's no,
2: there's no wrong or right, but there, there is absolute value if, um, to being present and actually having having the ability to feel those muscles. So right. even if people do get epidurals, I actually recommend them to ask to actually have it turned down or to just not actually t- press the um, top-up button. There's right. there's uh, a very technical name for the top-up button. Yeah. I just call it the top-up button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not beginning getting <laughs> at, at that moment. I think people are very fearful of what it's going to feel yeah. like. Um, and we've all had epidural um deliveries. And I think there's such a fear factor about the ring of fire and how Wait, terrible yes. it's going to be. Words and matter, feel huh? Everything. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is with my last... I I, people ask me all the time, how did it feel when I was actually delivering? And so in my last, especially, I was like so much in the moment of when I was actually pushing him out. And I was like thinking, focus on what it feels like when he's coming out of you. Because people keep talking about this ring of fire thing. And I don't feel like that's the part that really hurts, at least not for me. For me, it's my uterus going, get this baby out of you. So it's like that cramping. It's like the worst, you know, period pain or- the biggest shit you've ever had to take, that feeling. My belly hurts.
2: Yeah. I don't really want to say it's like vaginal per se no, at all. No, I don't think the ring of fire was that was that no. yeah. my my last delivery, my have a three month old, her name is Molly, which is very cute, but I didn't bring her tonight. Um, she had shoulder dystosia. Hmm.
0: So that?
2: so that's when um you deliver the head, but the shoulder gets stuck.
0: Oh my god. Because the
2: shoulders are bigger than the head. Yeah. So they okay. kind of like they kinda of, They're supposed they to turn your your yeah. a baby's he- a baby's body actually goes through a whole um process as it comes as, right. as it's delivered right. and I've so, watched those
0: 3d things yeah yeah so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um I'm, I'm not a doctor by the way guys in case you don't know <laughs> or any medical profession whatsoever she just chills with them
2: <laughs> so she um she I delivered her head sideline and um I needed, one of the ways that you can, you can dislodge a shoulder is yeah. actually by getting onto hands and knees. Yeah. And my husband who had just seen, like I went from six centimeters to 10 in <laughs> three, three um, contractions. Uh-huh. Um, and he thought he was really advocating for me. And they were like, we need to get you onto hands and knees. And he was like, she said, no, so you're not doing it. And they were like, you need to, we need to get you onto hands and knees. And I, I, Where did I you still, deliver? Um, in North York General okay. Hospital. With the doctor is, or the midwife? With a midwife, this delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and still with her head out, it was still actually the experience of the contractions that was was more what I was concentrating on versus mm-hmm. the actual delivery. I think there is a lot of fear around that. Yeah. For People are terrified of, of not have epidurals. Like, yeah,
1: I go in, I, I you know, I get to the hospital, I need an epidural now. Like there's right. no um thought around maybe you could do it without. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying everyone you do without, you know, take your pain relief, like do what works for you. But I, I really commonly hear too, like, Oh, it didn't work as well. Like I still felt it. Well, right. you're not meant to like be unconscious right? and you're, right. you're meant, your body's meant to like push this thing out using your muscles. So if you're like doing nothing, you can't feel anything like, that's gonna be more difficult to get the baby out of you, and what the, what your body wants is to expel the
2: baby. Yes, so, uh, it's so interesting because there's a fear of yeah. your body not knowing what to do, and I yes. think that that's really when I think about like big picture what it is that I do every every day. I, I try to. Um, Reinstill in women—that's my favorite thing. Um, reinstill in women the a belief in their at their body is capable, right? Yeah. They they it's go not conscious. Into, it's not conscious. No. Your
1: body's like, get this out. Yeah. Like you don't have to like think. I'm gonna push now. The the whole like okay, bear down, push now you thing that like to. that
0: doctors or whatever on TV tell you yeah. to do. You don't have to. Your body's no. like push the now. Of that Monty There's- Python movie, mm. the whole medicalization of birth. So I have a question. Between us, we have four eight. 10 kids.
2: Good, yeah. good counting skills. That would be like four, Math. eight, two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> fuck me. I've also been drinking since 11 a.m. And it's almost 11 p.m. Just for the record.
2: Um, <laughs> What? How many epidurals have you had? Zero. You? I've had uh, two epidurals uh-huh. and one um, needle inserted as my son crowned. Right. So that's what I was with my first. So yeah.
1: the needle was in. Uh-huh. She got it like a second before I felt them crowning. Right. And the whole time, like with 45 minutes of labor, I'm like leaning over in the most awkward position when you're like trying to like be comfortable. Yes. The worst, like leaning over the side of a bed. Yes. My legs were numb from like hitting the bottom of the bed. <sighs> it was terrible. Like really, really terrible. Um, She gets the needle. She's like, okay, we have to wait seven minutes. Because apparently there's some rule, which I never really learned. It has to be in you for seven minutes before they can actually push drugs through it. So she To make sure it's not hitting the nerve. I guess so. Yeah. Like make sure it's not a spinal. Yeah. Um, it goes in, and I'm like, he's crowning, and that was it. And that I was it. like, go away. I went back. Actually, interesting about position. You're talking about like sideline. I know you yeah. you delivered essa like like crouching or squatting yeah. or whatever. Um, I've tried different positions every single time, thinking this is gonna be more anatomically appropriate, whatever. I don't feel comfortable in any other way other than like typical, like feet up in stirrups on yeah. my back. But that's did, you listening did, to your body. So yeah, that's that, my body. Then wants. That's right for you. That's my I, right? I, I, right. I crouched. I squatted. I was yeah. on my hands and my knees, and I was like, "This is terrible. None of this is comfortable for me." So I was like, "I'm just going to do what I, what I do," and yeah. that's for whatever reason more comfortable yeah. for me. But that's another thing. I think people should be encouraged more to move around. That's the problem with
2: epidurals. You can't really is move that, around. That the is same. that is the big problem with epidurals. Yeah. It's not that um, you can't feel anything. I mean, that's you. You want to feel something, but the biggest problem is that you end up spending the whole time lying on your back, right. um, and gravity really is one of the is your best friend during during labor. Yeah. Um, I had I had my son in a bathtub at so the birth my, center. Okay, my and question had, for you about yes, the bathtub is: Yes, who did you shower after?
0: Yes, of course. <laughs> With like within like twenty minutes of having my kid, I showered, but I wasn't even grossed out by any of it. Yeah, sure, I, me know what too, it was. But me too because yeah. I
2: could, right? Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, oh, yes. I walked out. Yeah, I. Walked I, I walked home with my third, I would have walked
1: my fourth
2: except the third. I delivered, yeah. and within three hours, I was so we started off and like I thought I was in labor. I got checked at home on my bed. My midwife, yeah. as as Dina says, fingered me on my bed to <laughs> finger, finger banged me. Finger banged me. Finger banged <laughs>
1: me. <laughs> As only a man would say, it. <laughs> she like women checking, use that term she was like, ever, you're never. Yeah. She's
2: like you're, you're three centimeters. I've been walking around for two, as two centimeters for two weeks, um, and she said, you know, likely you're going to be delivering today. Why don't you just spend some time relaxing? We started a Netflix show. I had three. She said, calmly, you have three contractions. You can't speak through. We press play. I had three contractions. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't speak through. What was the show? Um, Better Call Saul. Okay, very important detail. Very important. <laughs> it's the uh, c- continuation or the prequel to Breaking Bad. That's right. Um, for Is those of you, I'm after, not sure it? it's a continuation. She never watched
0: it. She had three contracts. I had, right. well, and it was we did
2: So we we, <laughs> we I couldn't get into that show. I couldn't get into we it. it. I liked Breaking Bad though. Breaking Bad was amazing. I thought it was amazing, but um, I couldn't get into yeah. Better like Call crack. Saul. <laughs> but i No, it was yeah. like math, math. whatever. Math. Math. Um <laughs> so we went we went to the hospital. My my husband felt very strongly about delivering in a hospital, which is a good thing because Same with Andrew. um you know given the shoulder socia I as I found out later, if um you have 4 minutes to dislodge it, otherwise it becomes actually uh, an emergency, is that yeah. correct? Mm. Yeah, um, no,
1: a midwife could probably do an episiotomy if they needed to. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but, but they actually like, they called the yeah. whole
2: like they called a whole crash like they called a million codes um i flipped she was delivered my husband recalls it as he says like oh she looks just like my eldest and he was like i don't never remembered like all the other babies just hanging out there for like <laughs> oh so long god that's so <laughs> scary but she we, she was delivered we they finished everything up. The worst pain for me was actually when they um, delivered my placenta. They pressed the on my stomach. Hundred percent. That was always my worst. Oh it actually my hurts God. more. I, yeah. I've, I've
1: had the same experience. And, and like the placenta is t- like nothing compared no- to the baby. Yeah. But I actually when find they that, that too. Press on. Their I think stomach. just the adrenaline is different. Like, yeah. Okay. You're like so thinking about getting the baby out, and then the baby's out, and you're like, oh, good, he's healthier, she's healthier, yeah. Yeah. or we're not. Two of my kids were not healthy coming out. We could talk about that. But um, but then you're like, so the euphoria is gone. The baby's there, yeah. and then you're like, oh fuck, it's not over yet. And, and and then you push and push, push and, and pulling. When and they
0: push, and that's for me. And then for me, when they start doing this, the stitching up after on my bed, when they're like, okay, we're going to give you the needle. I'm like, no, wait for the needle. I get, And I just push the baby up, but I can't take the needle yeah. right now for the freezing. And then the first poo after, like the first time you take a, chair, you take a dump, after you fucking deliver. That's, that's not it's That is worse.
1: The, for me, it was the peeing. No, like, it, that for me, taking the shit
0: after, uh, after the
1: pregnancy. The actually. peeing, though, really? you don't use the peri bottle? Yeah, no, the very first pee. Like yes. just that one. Oh, so yeah. they
2: take you because you're actually not allowed to leave the hospital. Because I left the hospital right after delivery, mm-hmm. I had to wait until they they make you urinate before you of before course. you go. Yeah. You so the they take you. They yeah. take you. To right. the, they took me to the bathroom, and I was like. Yeah. Come on, guys, let's go! Like yeah. you have, there's a lot of self-talk, and I couldn't go. And right. then just fear, you, yeah. And then there was, you, there there's a waiting period, which was not that long because she was delivered at four twenty, and by seven o'clock I was home in bed eating my own food, showered, and watching the Netflix. And you, that the three of us, are the exception to the rule. Like we're very, we're, <laughs> we're very, very different, we're, and most I'm,
1: women don't do it this way. I'm no.
0: like, and for me, having a home birth and then like a pool birth. It's like I'm a very self-selecting group of people, for sure. You know, so Not we we, we delivered all like. our
1: in in hospital. My yeah. first because I didn't even realize there was other option. To be honest, like I right. was I was a. a- peds emerge fellow at the time, like super medicalized, you know, right. I, I was working at sick kids and training at sick kids. I walked across the street from my appointments at Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. Like I wow. was super in that, like, you yeah. know, um, university alley kind of, um, hospital, um, alley. Um, and I planned on getting an epidural, didn't get an epidural, not by choice. It just didn't work. And I was so thankful for that. And, you know, went, walked upstairs to the floor, never thinking I would leave hospital like that night. Um, and then with my second, Uh, I was very happy to leave hospital that night. And that was sort of the plan, like deliver there. And then Ryan came out super fast delivery, like, you know, less than two hours or whatever. And he was totally gasping for having a really, really terrible time breathing. He ended up getting admitted to 40 for 48 hours for CPAP and oxygen. And he couldn't breathe properly. The thought was that he kind of just flew out of me too quick. He didn't get that good squeeze of like the liquid out of the lungs. So that didn't work. And then he was happy and healthy and whatever, fine after that. Was he in sick kids? He was admitted to Sinai, where I delivered. Oh, okay. Uh, just for 48 hours. And then my third, I was like, okay, well, if everything's good with his lungs, I'm going to go home from the hospital. Thankfully, it came out, all good. It was like a two and a half hour labor. Uh, delivery was super fast. We went home after th- four hours. They make you just stay for four hours. And, and to go home, which is interesting because from hospital, it's different. They make you take Tocin. Like they make you take Pitocin um if you deliver by a doctor by a physician which i did yeah. you, they make you take Pitocin before you go home to decrease the risk of hemorrhage post delivery I, I and i don't that think they do that midwives, with midwives do give
2: you a shot of oh, Pitocin, oh. i believe so okay. um before the delivery of the placenta but i don't oh, know
1: really so for in me in my case i had no iv or anything and then i was yeah. like i want to go home in a couple hours so like well you need to get toast and i was like i don't really want to and they're like well this is your third kid and it was precipitous like also came really quickly yeah. so that's the rule if you want to go home you need to take four hours of pitocin i was like okay fine so i took four hours of pitocin and then i went home and it was amazing i got came home showered ate my dinner at home it was just a so beautiful good. experience and then my fourth, I was like, look, Jason came out easy, was all good, came home from hospital. Andrew, can I please just deliver at home? I want to have one baby where I deliver at home. And uh, he's like, no, you know, we've already had this once before. I don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, you know, what it was if it's something, you know, what, what if shit hits a fan again? And he was totally right. Austin came out very precipitously, was Same gasping thing. for air, got admitted for a week, had wow. like, you know, connection with his heart that wasn't working quite well. He needed oxygen. He wasn't intubated, but he got CPAP. Anyway, he was a mass and he was admitted for 8 days um, to Sinai. So anyway, he was totally right. And I don't think I'll ever have any more kids, but if I do, I am definitely delivering
2: in hospital. Um, my my, yeah. my daughter, my 3-month-old is this really sweet, easygoing kid for right now. Um all my my other three are amazing. All my kids are amazing, but they are characters, like real characters. And This baby is just sweet and squishy and Mm. delicious. And my husband is not, he's like, we're going to, we need to have more. Like, look Mm. at the letter. We need to have more. And I was like, I'm done.
1: You were done before. You knew you were done, right? We talked about it before. Yeah. I felt very done. I didn't know that I wanted four. And I'm not even still convinced that four is that magic number. Like, I don't feel completely done. Nor do I feel like I really want more either. And in a good way, I guess, Austin is not the easiest baby. He's the most challenging for sleeping and he's, he's interesting. He's more challenging. And I think that's, you know, God's way or whoever's way of being like, I think you're good. (laughs) I also have this other thing. Like I think being like a, being a physician and being a pediatrician in particular and working in a place, you know, like sick kids in my office where there's kids that have more challenges and difficulties. You always think like the other foot's going to drop. Like, thank goodness I have four healthy kids. Do I really want to push it and like chance having a kid that isn't so healthy and, you know obviously there's there's it's not all bad if you have a kid that has unhealthy but it would obviously change my life and change my my kid's lives so much significantly so anyway
2: i think that like whenever you go through labor and delivery um for, like across the board from it's whether it's from the baby's health to the mom's health every single step of the way is Miraculous, mm. um, and when it goes right, you almost lose sight of how many things have to go right oh in gosh, order so for things. it to be so. Right? So many things. Yeah, we're
1: you know we're really blessed to have you know these ten healthy children, really, because it's there's so many right. things that can go wrong. Yeah,
2: yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I think that when it comes to uh, uh, one of the things that I think we we have to kind of change um, societally is the fact that we need both. The kids to be healthy, but we also need the moms to be healthy. Amen. Yes, <laughs> um, and the and and I think that as moms, we're like, okay, my kid's healthy, so like, who am I? Who am I to ask, you know, for anything mm. more? And I think we need to start talking about the fact that we we need to we we really need to have um, moms whose bodies are functioning well in order to raise their kids well. Right. Um, so, what,
1: so what do you see the most often? Like, what are people? mostly complaining about is there like a top
2: three well it's interesting because it has changed a lot over time um certainly we're seeing a lot of moms who go back to high intensity exercise very quickly and with that we're seeing both um diastasis or mommy tummy which i hate because it's so derogatory um and and loss of urine Um, and and loss of urine with Jumping, squatting, laughing, running, that kind of stuff. We mm-hmm. see we see a lot of that. And, and you think it's related to exercise, eh?
1: Like things I, like running, like really high intensity or any exercise? Um any exercise really. I'm not the poster child for this. That's that's um, why I have, I, and I understand, I get it. Like, yeah. you know, you have your pelvic floor, which we had like a diagram or something to show you guys, but you have the pelvic floor and it's a bunch of muscles that are kind of circular underneath you. It's like a girdle. They're kind
2: of like, kind of like a bowl that holds everything up
1: at yeah. the bottom of your pelvis, Perfect. right? Absolutely. And if you're like jumping or running or whatever, and you're like and having this weak. like balloon jumping up and down yeah. and you had all this pressure pushing on the balloon down and everything's weaker and you need to kind yeah. of zip it back up again. So I get that running is, not the best right. thing. Um, I personally went back to working out really quickly there after delivering 3 days actually I went back to spinning though I think probably spinning's not so bad though you are kind of standing and jumping a little bit but it wasn't like running.
2: Right. Right. It's it's yeah. lower inten- it's it's lower impact I will say that. Yeah. Um I kind of um I think that what we don't really consider like we we think that you know nine months we're gonna have nine months of pregnancy and then we're just gonna pretend it never happens right and really our bodies go through a lot and they really have to be rehabilitated um and retrained and and i work a lot with a lot of personal trainers who work specifically with um prenatal and postpartum moms right. and the exercises you're doing at nine months postpartum are way too difficult to be doing at six to eight weeks Postpartum. Like they, you're, you really, your body goes through a lot. Right. Labor, we can't, you know, whether it's a vaginal birth or ces, by cesarean section, a lot of people think that their pelvic health is only affected by um the birth, but really, like you've carried a watermelon. Yeah, you've nine on months the, of pressure on there. Yeah. 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 Your abs are stretched. When we talk about diastasis, like that's. So what is Can you explain what it is? Yeah. Diastasis is when the. Um, the six pack muscles essentially stretch apart the tissue between the six pack muscles kind side to side stre- stretches apart and so your intestines aren't really held in quite as well and things kind of hang out or it looks like you're still pregnant um And that's kind of become this catch all, like postpartum. Um, well, I have, I need to get my tummy flat. And so I must have diastasis. But I think what people lose sight of is the fact that your whole body was kind of stretched out. So even if those, the lineal alba, which is the name for that connective tissue between the six pack muscles. Um, even if that isn't stretched out terribly, your abs have still been stretched out and need to actually relearn how how to function in this new body. Um, Your core has been um, taken to mean your six-pack muscles, your obliques, but your, your core is actually made up of your pelvic floor muscles, your innermost abdominal muscles, your innermost back muscles, and your breathing diaphragm, which is why during labor, when you're breathing properly, it actually helps your pelvic floor Release because your pelvic floor is actually supposed to relax on the inhale and on exhale it should actually engage. So instead of teaching people to Kegel, we actually do Kegels with breath. Right. Or for teaching people to relax their pelvic floor muscles, we do that with breath. Um, and to rehabilitate your abs, we say you have you have to retrain from the inside out. If your innermost muscles are not working right, you can't just use the outer canister and hope that everything inside is working well. You can't yeah. just
1: crunch your way back to a normal right. body. And in
2: fact, that can make things a lot worse S- significantly. Yeah. Um And, and then, this isn't bullshit, by the way. This is like no, a no, real no, no, no this, this is, legit. is like actual after, after my third
1: kid. Actually, one of the reasons why I saw you in the first place yeah. was because I found that I did have more diastasis, and I, I don't really think I really had significant diastasis yeah. ever, thankfully. But um, and I stayed very. Throughout my pregnancies worked out to the day yeah. delivered each of my kids. And I think that helped me quite a bit, um, just in terms of like keeping my muscle tone. And uh, keeping strong, but I started going to a particular I, exercise. I, I did not,
0: by the way, for the
1: record. <laughs> I, I'm just addicted to exercise. Uh, it's a it's a problem. It's my addiction. Um, it's a good it's a good addiction. I guess. Very so. good. I guess if you're gonna have one, mine is alcohol. Maybe turning into pot. By the way, <laughs> definitely Instagram. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, also social media obsessed. So, um, yeah. So I went back She's to like, exercise. I dabble in Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went back to exercise really quickly, which I, I think was fine. But I started doing a lot of core-related workouts. A lot of planks, a lot of like V-sits, a lot of things that were totally terrible for my post-pregnancy body. I should have been doing that much more slowly. And actually, we didn't know as much. Like, it wasn't as... well known. This was only four years ago. Right. No, this was my third. This one I called you, and I actually noticed that I was actually coming out. Yeah, like I noticed that I was like creating a diastasis. Yes. yes. And so anyway, I stopped those kind of exercises. I went back to my normal cardio, my normal weights that weren't crunches and things on my back. I stopped doing back weighted exercises. A good six or nine months, I think it took, and without doing anything else, my stomach actually kind of came back to the way it was. Yeah. I, mean, I still have. Retrained. I still have a body that's of a woman who delivered four children and who's thirty five. Like, I, I'm not going to have the body I had when I was twenty. Yeah. Maybe one day, who knows? But I'm still going to have something there that wasn't there before.
2: And that's okay. I had four children. Right. Like, right. I don't need to look like I'm 18 anymore. And the thing is that what uh, a lot of our research is now saying that um, you, we used, to, we, used to, we used to talk about like preventing diastasis and, you know, train during your pregnancy so that you're not, it's not going to happen. But that we know now that's actually the way that your body accommodates a baby that it's right. also yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Things don't pull apart. Where is yeah. the baby going? So uh, we're fighting this, this thing that can be retrained postpartum and should be retrained postpartum. But, you know, it, I'm kind of in this stage now because I when, I, when I'm working with clients and they say to me, oh my God, my tummy, I can't stand it. I, I'm like, give yourself time and and be patient and let's be grateful for what your body has done and we're going to retrain it and then we're going to go through the steps. And now I'm I'm three months postpartum. And I totally, you know, I get both sides so much right now because while on the one hand I'm like, you know, kind of like be kind to yourself, understand, be grateful. Your body's done this amazing thing. Let's retrain it slowly. But then, you know what? I have three shirts that fit and two pairs of pants.
0: Preach girl. Right? I fit
2: in nothing. And
0: so it's, it's challenging, right? Um, And I think to be honest, like, I know that this is a very hot conversation right now. Not only is diastasis and pelvic floor physio sort of new to the psyche, to be honest, this isn't bullshit, by the way. This is like, this isn't, you know, um, This is real stuff. But like the conversation right now about the pervasiveness of Instagram and women getting their bodies back. getting your body back. But the idea of getting their body back, but also people who do get their body back and how they are like, oh, how are they getting their body back? But also someone like me who's like, not got my body back. It's both sides of the coin is very difficult. And it does come from a place of like, I think really just an unrealistic expectation of what like another, like you know, patriarchal, uh, hmm. you know, uh, 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 footprint on like what we expect from women to to be and to look like and, and to act and to behave. Right? right. So
2: I listen to a lot of Brene Brown. Okay. If you guys are familiar with Mm Brené Brown, she's a shame researcher and she's a social worker, Mm. uh, and and she talks a lot about um why reasons why women expect um experience shame, and she says that they experience the the things that the expectations that we have of ourselves that we should be thin, we should be nice, um, and we should be um gracious, and if we're not. Thin and nice, you know. We should stand up for ourselves. We should always be nice about it. Um, you know, we should be we should love ourselves, but you should also be thin. You should, mm. you know, and and we have these um opposing um expectations of ourselves that are unattainable. Both both of them are unattainable, right? Uh, you know, we we have to be kind to ourselves as you know, and be resting and taking it easy. Postpartum, but we should also be yeah. getting everything done and making making that look making that look easy um, at the same time. So and the guilt with come that comes
1: with not being that perfect in every realm kind yes, of person. Yes, um, and be the perfect mom. Oh and, yes, of course. You know, go to PTA meetings, and yeah. your kids should be well dressed <sighs> and well slept and well behaved, and you should have a great relationship with your husband. and yeah. everything. And there, there's, there's so, many so things, much yeah. to get done, Perfection. and yeah. so
2: and I think that. One of the one of the things that we can control, we expect to control, is our is our bodies. And right. when it's not doing what we want, when our, when we still look pregnant, when it, when we're leaking, when we're having pain with sex, when our organs kind of feel like they're falling out, all of a sudden it's like this is the one thing that I should be able to control. Right. And and that's when you, um, I, I find that we start to put women back together physically, but there's so many emotional emotional and yeah. psychological yeah. And, and social um, components to right. that as well. So incontinence is number one. What's number two? Um, diastasis for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So women um, women feeling uncomfortable with the way that their body looks yes, postpartum. Yes. And when do people
2: typically come see you? So um my favorite time to see somebody is actually during pregnancy hmm. so that we can preempt a lot of this stuff. There's no way to prevent it because like you said like um delivery is kind of it's an unknown and it's different every single time. So it's different whether you've prepared for delivery or not. Um, That's, by the way,
0: when I became a patient of your clinic. Was what? When sure. I was pregnant. Pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And why was that? Why did you go then? Because um, I was like, when I first heard about like, I'm like, I'm air quoting here, like, Physiotherapy for your vagina. I'm like, this is bullshit. This isn't a thing. Fuck this. This is crap. Hmm. And then I was like, six. There were a lot prior. of swear words yeah, to summarize. This I said is crap
2: about pelvic. It's also my go. brand to swear a lot. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> to say on brand. It's not my brand. <laughs> it's not my brand. Uh, but to I, I do
0: swear nice a lot. and polite and skinny. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but I did start peeing like all of a sudden. I was like, ha ha. P- um, mm. being. I'm being like, i um, being right." Fuck right. that. I, I feel
1: like-, like
2: that's normal. I mean, it's not actually normal. That's, we'll come back to that it's, for sure. It's normal to but come in the second pregnancy. Yes, um, that's often when they haven't but rehabilitated women, properly. Women.
1: It's it's a norm. You know what I mean? Like it's not like oh my gosh I just peed. It's right. like ha ha, ha 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 I just peed. Ha, ha. That's what everyone right. does. Right. Yeah, it's like oh I'm a I'm a commercial to I'm gonna yeah. like I'm
2: gonna dance and yeah. you know right where my where my depends. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it what should, happens. Should, to me. should
1: should so you're saying that it is normal? Like we can expect every woman to have some pee accidents?
2: Oh no no it is not normal. Right. It's common but yeah. not normal. Okay. It's second pregnancy. Um, it's it's common for yeah. It's usually what we see. Um, a lot of our clients, if someone comes to me during their first pregnancy, I am like, your friends are the greatest people around because they let's, told you to come. Let's change the conversation, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what we're trying to do today. Yeah. yeah. Um, because somebody has said to them, you need to be proactive about your health, go see a pelvic physio, learn you know, what to do. We, we actually teach women how to push because a lot of women... If they have epidural or, they, or, you know, they don't have a sense of what they, where they should be pushing. Mm. Um, but how do they, but if you're completely numb, how do you? You practice. Oh, okay. And also I teach people not to be completely numb. I see. So yeah. there's no judgment about what kind of, what, what your, you know, ideal birth is. One of the things that we can also do around, um, around mom's mental health is actually, is talk about a lot of, a lot of women have traumatic births. Should we pause this, Julian. Yeah. Okay. Um, A lot of women, when when they talk about their birth as being traumatic, it's often because they felt that stuff was done to them, and not, and they weren't an active participant in their birth. Yes. Um. And so The, the
1: intervention, the interventionalist, yes, part about delivery. Right. Yes. And
2: so and so one of the things that um we teach women. Prenatally is about all the things we give them resources so they can learn about all the different things that can happen right. and we help create a game plan we don 't tell them what to do, but we say you you need to make a game plan so that if x happens. Are you going to choose Y or are you going to choose Z? Like, Though I find that in the moment, like a lot of people come in with like this plan of like their birth plan. Yeah, I know. I don't want an epidural. I want to deliver in water.
1: I don't, I want this person in the room, this person in the room. I don't want anyone, any residents, whatever. People come with these birth plans. And I feel like the more planned you are, the more unlikely that birth plan is to be effective for you. Yeah. And at the end of the the day, like you should listen listen to your provider when your provider's concerned about something, though there's certainly a, a really big movement towards C-sections and, you yeah. know, giving Pitocin and a lot of interventions happen now that, um, and dramatically increase risk compared to previous,
2: like, right which know, is in probably Canada, why it's like, I'm seeing almost 50% are C-sections, right? Yeah. And that probably Toronto, isn't necessary. Pro- yeah. um, Toronto, I think our, what our C-section rate is somewhere in the 30%, hmm. I believe. I think it might be more than that actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Physician deliveries. Position okay. deliveries okay. are okay. much higher. Yeah.
1: Um, and there's there's no way that fifty percent of babies really need to be delivered right. by C section. I'm totally like, with you. hundred percent some people need to be delivered by C section, but
2: fifty um, percent, like that's a bit much. And 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 I think that if if somebody comes I I, I really encourage. I used to say like a birth doula is like a nicety, yeah. um, I think a birth deal is almost necessary now in a, in a hospital birth because it's somebody who's on your team advocating advocating for you because right. um, women actually feel bad. They feel like they're being a bad patient if they ask questions. yeah And so... And um, or they don't know what the questions are. Right, right. And so um, if I can get them before... like that. If I can get them. If, if I get the <laughs> opportunity to see them prior to delivery, we can at least come up with some kind of... Um, you know, if... If thinking about all the different options, what would I have? If, if somebody says, you know, if I'm told I need a C-section, here's how what I'm going to ask about. If, if I'm told that I, you know, that I need to be induced, here's an, here's here are my question. The, ca- the cascade of intervention, right? Yeah. That's so, what they call it. So, and, and thinking about, because sometimes interventions are necessary, but you need to have the voice to say, is this actually necessary? Yeah. Um So I have to say from the other end of it, like I think that there's way too much intervention. I
1: really do. Uh, And this is from the medical way. But I also think that you're really, that a lot of people piss off their doctors when they're like, really? don't really need this? And they're like, what the hell do you know? Right. Like I've delivered 10,000 babies. I think you need a C-section. Have a C-section. And then people often will get irritated by... By the questions too, and and I can tell you for sure yeah. that many um, obstetricians don't want any part of the doula business yep. because they're not physicians, they're not midwives, they're yep. not nurses, they're, they're not like, trained medical professionals. A, a, a random friend, sort of. Right. I mean, they not they're random. And many doulas I are fantastic. My with me. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's many people that are really excellent at being in many many deliveries. Um, I might be delaying like that, but from a physician perspective. I think a lot probably want nothing to do with that. And they don't need yeah. you, you, this other random person who doesn't have a medical degree or a science degree yeah. being the one to tell me the physician, I don't, I shouldn't cut this baby out. But right. I think that that's the important thing to do right. from the obstetrician perspective.
2: And I think that that's um, both an understandable perspective right. and also a little bit scary. Yes. Right. As, as, you you because I, I, you want your medical professional to be doing what they truly believe is correct but also if we know that there are unnecessary uh, cesarean sections being done where like where is that line yeah right? I can't imagine many doctors think that they're doing unnecessary C-sections, no for sure not I mean? like
1: I think they're thinking this is faster this is easier uh I I, I can't imagine many people are like well I make more money but yeah doing I it don't think way. they're malicious they're, at they're all. not doing it like to be negligent or malicious yeah. you're right but at the same time, I think it's an easier option sometimes yep. when perhaps it could be done differently,
2: right? Right, and I, and I think that um, when somebody's coming to see me and they've had an experience where they've chatted with their friends and they've found out after the fact that maybe their cesarean section wasn't absolutely necessary, um, those are those are women who are often who often have pelvic floor tone who who are the ones who are whose muscles aren't relaxing well because there's this whole um this whole body protection happening mm. because it was tra- they had trauma right they had yeah. trauma from
0: day one yeah. it wasn't a beautiful birth experience yeah. and to be honest like i think some people actually like need um, um, Talk therapy. Mm. I think, years I think later, everybody needs yeah. When talk they therapy. realize, like, yeah. oh my God, I had a traumatic birth and this affected everything.
2: When you're expecting yeah. to be this
0: beautiful, yeah. lovely yeah. Yeah. experience right. and it's going to be easy. we and set us a for, for yeah.
2: failure in that sense, For right. sure.
1: Right. I think expect that it's going to be a gong show. Yeah. And if it's better than that, fantastic. That's what I call but it. The, I call
2: birth a gong show. Yeah. Same with is.
1: breastfeeding, actually. I think people expect all this yes. to be like this beautiful, amazing experience yeah. It'll be so easy. Baby's delivered. There's no pain. There's no bleeding. But the baby in the breast the baby feeds i think we have to talk about it differently it may suck delivery will probably be painful it may not go the way that you expected it to be and breastfeeding may not be the easiest most successful time of your life
2: and that's okay right right and so and and it's not that we are imperfect because of that and i think that that normal and our babies are normal
0: and that like it's one day right yes birth and delivery is one day of your life breastfeeding your wedding yeah it's exactly (laughs) it's like this huge totally overproduced show Yeah. and i honest, honestly when i talk to expecting mothers i often want to have an honest, honest conversation about what expectations are here and for a whole nother podcast is about the the un um the the heaviness of consumerism mm. on moms to get the right stroller and get yes. the right swaddle and get the right buy the shit and the shit is important but that's not really the conversation to be having right. and my challenge is when I meet expecting moms I'm like I want to tell you the truth you can't handle the truth you know and I'm going to tell you shit and it's going to fucking freak you out but humanity continues and people have been giving babies to this earth for 3000 years millennia and they will continue to so and you probably won't remember how terrible it was or how terrible the first
1: couple of months are you have because a otherwise people, you people have again. more exactly four times and four exactly. times right. yes. people like as much as it sucked in the moment if we remembered every nitty gritty about it in the same kind of emotional sense as we did in the moment, we wouldn't have more children and there would be the population. You know, right. be I was
2: the most emotional after um, having my baby and um, my husband brought, brought me the wrong um, food order. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the hardest time, but they,
0: but
1: they are for that. Thank God
0: that that was the hardest time you can imagine after delivering four babies. Let's go back. Let's go back to one second because we've been talking a lot about vaginas um, and we've been talking a lot about all sorts of things that are amazing. And this is like a huge conversation. Honestly, this particular conversation about women's bodies and the body image and the, the, the physical and the mental and this and the spiritual, yeah. all those things. You know, part of the reality why Dean and I wanted to do this podcast is we want to talk to a variety of mom bosses. And I would say, Hana, you are a serious mom boss. So let's talk about <laughs> a little bit. If we could step back, tell us about the practice a little bit, if you don't mind. Is that okay?
2: Uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I I don't consider myself serious in any, uh, you know, in I any think what's area. What's serious of my about life. you
0: is that you don't take yourself seriously, which makes you awesome. <laughs> my type of chip. Um yeah.
2: But um, yeah, I have this. Um, women's health clinic and pelvic health clinic um we've got five pelvic health physios who are dedicated pelvic health physios um so if we if we have lots of um, lots of clients who really trust us and they want to see us for their shoulders and their and their knees we actually um, at this point send people out for other orthopedic issues and we solely focus on pelvic health and women's health um we we see a lot of um of women and um, parents who are having trouble uh, breastfeeding as well, we do we deal with a lot of um, breastfeeding block um, ducts, and mm. um, as well breast cancer rehab and gynecologic, gynecological cancer rehab as well. I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, we have a chiropractor who focuses as well. We have a social worker um, because, like you said, like we you, we need to address um, talk therapy has to be a part of this mm-hmm. whole conversation. Um, we have two naturopaths, um, a massage therapist, and we have a whole host of other practitioners, um, trainers. We have a speech language pathologist. We have doulas they, who share the space and run programs as well. So, so,
0: what was the moment that was like I? got to, I got to start this
2: business. Like this
0: business is not out there. This model of care does not exist. I'm going to be the person to make it happen. When did you pull the lever?
2: Um, I'm going to be honest yeah. and say that it it was very organic. Like i I, okay. I started it because I was passionate about trying to uh, wanting to help women in the same way that I had been helped, and it just really grew organically to a point where I couldn't manage that caseload anymore and had to bring people on. Um, I was looking for a small rental space. And this space on, um, on St. Clair West came up mm-hmm. and um, it just, it, it was a leap of faith. Um, and as I've, I found that space, the social I, I connected with a social worker who works with me. I connected with other pelvic health therapists. They were, it was just, there were people that I loved and I was like, you know what? I really want to work with you. And so we sort of started we came together. Um, the chiropractor who works in my office is actually somebody who I have had the utmost respect for, for years. And uh, I started planting the seeds about a year ago. And I was like, when- whenever you want to, whenever you're ready, right. uh, we have a space for you. And when she was ready, she came over and it's been fantastic. Well, I think there's a lot of
0: women who have great ideas. And I say this a lot when we talk about women who start their own businesses or pursue this career is like, you 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 took the plunge, right? Like, yeah. um, Dina has great, lots of great ideas when she started Kid Crew and and all of her other business initiatives. It's it's about execution, right? So you've executed yeah. beautifully, honestly, It's a you. beautiful, it's a beautiful place, guys. If you have not been there, I highly recommend it. I'm not just saying that because I'm patient. It it's a very uncomfortable Thank thing you. to say. My vagina is not feeling well. I have a sick vagina, or my like. My pussy's my pussy's broken, you know.
2: <laughs> any, <laughs> other, any, other, broken. any other any other, any other words? You, what are it your is, most
1: favorite and least favorite words for the vagina? Cunt I hate. Oh. I hate, hate cunt. Cunt's my, my least favorite too. I, I
2: actually also I hate like pussy. No, so I she don't like, pussy, like pussy, pussy because it's used um, by men to like in a conrogatory in way. Yeah, yeah. Like like that they are not a pussy. That they are a pussy. Yes. yes. Um, and I I genuinely think that women are super strong mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that any any language around us should be should negative in any way. Be, I actually yeah. I,
1: I think kids and adults should use the right words like, yeah. like vagina. That's, that's a vagina big thing. and penis
2: people don't know
0: what's yeah. going on down
2: there and right. that and they won't even look right half the time. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite yeah. word? Um I love labia. Like uh, you know, oh, I do. I, like I do because people don't use it properly. People, and people see their vagina and they kind and of like, air <laughs> um but that's what? just a part of it. It's not really the whole thing. That's right. Yes. I don't know. Vulva. Vulva. <laughs> I every time we have a conversation like this, I go back to the sign the Seinfeld episode <laughs> <just> where Jerry has <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. girlfriend who has <laughs> yes. it rhymes with the female part. Right. He's going <laughs> through it. Um I I you know what? I use the words all the time. I don't actually. I I, I love to say anus a lot. Um, one really? of my <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite um cues for relaxing the pelvic floor is actually to pucker your anus. Hmm. Um, and people immediately know what that means, right? Um, because they've all taken a bowel movement. Yeah, sure. But they don't realize that that's a time in their daily life where they have actually they've relaxed their pelvic floor.
0: Hmm.
2: Otherwise, you say relax your pelvic floor and people get this glazed over look and right. they're like, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, what does that actually mean to you? Yeah. 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 Okay, so
1: incontinence, what was the second one? <laughs> diastasis. Oh, diastasis, third. Um, prolapse. Okay, so people are actually feeling like things are falling down.
2: So people, yeah, people are, are feeling it and we see a lot of prolapse um, during menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about working with women, um, during that time in their lives, is that number one? They do their exercises. Like they go home, they do their exercises. They mm-hmm. come back, and we can we can move forward. But and do they? Do they really do the exercises? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. People yeah. are really yeah. doing their homework? Um. During during the postnatal period, yeah, really complex. We mm-hmm. have to get really creative to help. Um, to help them find times. Um, often and it's do during- they like that? Like I wonder if people are actually going home and they
1: with all the craziness of feeding their babies and not getting sleep, whatever, are they actually doing the homework? Um.
2: I want to say yes. Otherwise, why are they seeing you? Really? Otherwise, why are they seeing me? Right? Yeah. Um, and and we we have to have a lot of honest conversations. Like if if somebody is in a state of overwhelm, it is absolutely not the right time to add something to the list of to dos. Right. Um, and so we've we've taken breaks, and I said, you know get through this hump and we'll, you know, everything in that postnatal period is often just for a time. So right. once they can move past that, then we can, we can. Once baby's sleeping, care. you know, yeah. things get easier. It, it does happen. It yeah. happens. Um the, the thing is though, with women in menopause um or after menopause, when they're experiencing all the, when they're experiencing um, prolapse, the thing that they always say is, I wish somebody would have told this, would have told me, you know, 20 years ago that I I should have dealt with this because at the end of the day, you know, we joke about it like we're, you know, it's an internal exam, fingering your vagina. But at the end of the day, if you don't know what's happening there and you don't know how to activate, most women are actually doing Kegels incorrectly. Right. Um, And many of that, for many of them, doing Kegels is actually inappropriate because they're already in a Kegel state. They have to learn how to relax and before they can actually contract those muscles.
1: Is there an easy way to teach our listeners, how to relax and then contract properly. Like how does one do a Kegel without a finger in there for you to feel if they're doing it properly?
2: Um, it's a challenge, but there there are times throughout your day where you actually, you sit on the toilet and you go to relax, you relax your pelvic floor in order to urinate. What's that a big deal is actually um, constipation. Many people squ- don't, aren't squatting fully. Right. Um, and a, one of the best ways to relax your pelvic floor is to go into a deep squat. Do you ever use a squatty potty? Do you know Mm-mm. what a squatty potty is? No. Yes. Julian Squatty potty is amazing. I never have. Um, it takes your knees up a, higher higher than your hips and yes. puts you into a deep squat. That's a position where your pelvic floor is naturally relaxed and uh, it's that is life-changing that's my tip for the day. Really? Use a squatty potty. Um, so every time you, you shouldn't have use to a squatty poo. potty. Yeah, because actually, one a cause of, of um, pelvic floor dysfunction is chronic constipation. Hmm. Um, if you're constipated, um, you are you're going to be bearing down consistently, and a lot of women um, lose urine because they're because they're constipated yeah, and we see this in kids all the time yes, too actually yeah
1: Chron- constipation is like a, a really really big thing yeah. in in kids where a lot of kids are not fully evacuating they're fearful they're holding it in their bowels and are, parents are not aware totally or uh, kids have crappy diets there's lots of issues around constipation it's a very 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 common thing i see i have handouts in the office about 15 of them that i give out for various things and the very first one in the front of every one of our rooms is constipation because i give out that handout easily 15 times. times a day many many times do you um, do x-rays do you do
2: you x-ray no no x-rays are not assume.
1: indicated okay i i'm not a constipated person if you x-ray my belly right now you will find poo because people have poo in their intestines it's actually a terrible test no one should do x-rays or ultrasounds for pooing sickage radiology doesn't like doing them they're not a useful test the, the, it's really the clinical story are you pooing every day are you are they soft are they are they easy to come out does it take you less than 5 minutes are you having to strain to get them out like Basically, you should be pooing every day. It should be soft. It should take less than a couple of minutes to do. You should feel fully evacuated after. You should have no belly pain, no cramping. Yeah. Um, it, in kids, actually quite easy. If a kid's in a diaper, it should be mush. It should not be a log. It should not be a hard thing. It should look like peanut butter. If it's harder than that, if you yeah. see a form, the kid's too
2: constipated. Yeah. And they should go every day. Yeah. We, um, and, and we treat pediatrics as well at the yeah. clinic. Mm-hmm. and. It, it's basically it's life it's lifestyle. Right. Um, um, If some, if, I, w- I
1: would think though the squatty potty <clears throat> thing that if you're putting yourself in that position, that you're actually putting more pressure on your pelvic floor, therefore
2: stretching rela- it. Yeah, so it's, it relaxes the pelvic floor. Right. Um, what you shouldn't be doing is holding your breath and bearing down to release poo. A lot of kids will get Is yes. that a
1: challenge for
2: people? Yeah. So oh. so will so will women. So are their parents, yeah, by the way, right? Um, and and. We, I, I think that that's we talk about water intake. So, right? if a the woman right now goes home, is listening to this podcast, water intake, and tries to hold her pee um, in the middle of her cycle, in the middle of her stream, yeah. and, and they can and do that, um, that's not actually is very reassuring. One of the it's somewhat one reassuring one causes of bladder irritation as well. So, a lot of the pelvic floor okay. uh, tricks are common across the board, right? Um, so, I would say deep squat to relax your pelvic floor. You can feel your pelvic floor relaxing. Um, Mm-hmm. Some people don't. Again, unless you're assessed, you don't know if you're if you're overusing or underusing those muscles. Right. But there is always the midstream. See if you can actually. Is that stop a good time to practice the that we've been um, doing? No. Okay. Yes. So again, if if those muscles are already contracted, you're not going to be able to do that, right? Because you cannot contract any more than you're in position your pelvic floor works together with your diaphragm and your inner abs and your inner back muscles, naturally you want those, you want your diaphragm to be stacked over your over your pelvis. So okay. ribs over pelvis. Um, like they tell you in every exercise class, yes, is actually a position where you have the most amount of strength. Okay. Um and so sitting in a car with your leg out is probably the worst position to be in. Right. So I actually tell my clients to practice either breathing or the breathing with a pelvic floor contraction after they pee. So finish, sit at the edge of the of the toilet, and then do a couple. Okay. But sitting on the toilet in that squat position is right. you're you're at an end range position. So right. it, you you always want muscles to kind of be mid range in order for them to be strongest. And so
1: if you were, I know it's obviously more complicated, but if you were to describe in Two minutes. How to okay. do a Kegel properly? How does that
2: work? Holding in your pee. Yes. Lifting something up into your vagina and a squeezing your bum. probably a blueberry. I'm not gonna lie. At the same time. So sorry. Lifting a blueberry into your vagina and lifting something into your bum at the same time and holding a pee at the same time. So all three orifices
1: want to be. You want to be. Okay. So you're when you're, and it does feel different. Just thinking that through in a squat kind of position, like I'm sitting on the couch. Inappropriate. Yeah thinking about pulling something into your bum and into your vagina does feel different than just your vagina yes. alone. Yes,
2: yeah. So what you want is you want a, con- a contraction, so a closure and a lift of those muscles. Yes
1: the elevator that's right so Hannah taught me to think about pulling a blueberry into my vagina <laughs> and, and bringing it up. it up to like floor one floor two floor three and then gradually have... go two and one you and drop three. the blueberry but it's but whatever I went up to three and then analogies. I came back down this is like I have no ridiculous. idea but I never forget that um, I, I remember it I, I don't practice them I have to say but <laughs> lose I, them I lose them or lose them I think, Gina. I think my vagina is in good shape though really but you make me worried about this menopausal thing so like the menopause thing your estrogen goes
2: down things start to fall down and we Or during whatever breastfeeding, when you're breastfeeding, we consider it almost like a mini menopause um, because your estrogen is your hormone levels are are altered then as well, and so it's very common to have vaginal dryness um, during intercourse during that time, and your muscles are not as plump because estrogen actually plumps up all your muscles, Um, so it is more of a challenge to get things going during um, when when you're breastfeeding, but. Breastfeeding alone is not a reason to have painful intercourse and not be able to um activate your pelvic floor. My I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for almost 10 years straight, nine and a half years
1: straight. Like with like three months off, and that's it. Yeah.
0: It's funny because my I had a mm-hmm. I had a young I had a young midwife for my first delivery, and she came to me four or five days postpartum and she's like, How are you feeling? And I was like, It's like baby blues. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. We're, you know, crying hysterically. And she literally said to me, square in the face, she's like, There's three times in a woman's life where your hormones are just completely out of whack. It's like adolescence, when you like sort of are a teenager. Did you guys already say this? No. No. And then the next time is like when you're a mom and you're postpartum. And the next time is when you're going through menopause. Those right. are the like three times in a woman's life where your hormones, where your hormones are completely yeah. fucked. Yeah. And just, that's when your body changes also. So it's completely walks hand in mm-hmm. hand, right?
2: Yeah. There's there's a saying, um, there's a word that I've heard a couple of TED Talks for becoming a mother, matrescence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that really speaks to... You pronounce that so well. I practiced it at home in uh, front of the mirror. Oh, wow. <laughs> matrescence. Explain what it is, because I did see that... That Talk. So a- adolescence is a transition from being a child into being an adult, and matrescence is the, is a transition from being a an a, I guess I guess an adult into becoming a mother. Mm. Um, and it really there's a, there is an evolution that you're you you go through physically, emotionally, and and psychologically, and I would argue spiritually as well. Um, and Hallelujah, <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, and it is a t- it's a time in your life where, um, yeah, I guess hormones would obviously play a role in that. But Let's talk about sex. Because I don't Maybe. know,
1: if I, I, I thought that one of those top three would be like, sex is painful. I don't want to have sex. I'm whatever. It doesn't
2: feel good. My husband yeah.
1: doesn't like it or
2: something so, along those lines. Um, we treat men too. Um, if you think that women don't talk about pelvic health quite as much as I'm sure men do not, uh, men do not Even talk more. about it. Um, men have pelvises. When what? men have pelvic floors, men's too? don't. Men, men's men's don't have penises. Men men's <laughs> don't have vaginas. No, but yes, they do have they pelvic, pelvic floors. Floor. Sure, they do. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, we see we so we see men for incontinence as well. Oh, that would make sense. Um, and we see them for um after prostatectomies. Mm-hmm. Um. But when we talk to women, um, one of the number one reasons that they walk in my door is because they are leaking. We go through a an a pelvic floor assessment is an hour long. We go through your gynecological history, go through your urological history, go through your um your obstetrical history. Like we go through everything, right? Your your does your poo look like this picture or this picture? Exactly, yes. exactly, yes. Um, and when we get to sexual health. What often happens is a woman comes in, she says, "I'm leaking, I'm going to the gym, and I'm leaking, and I'm running, and blah, 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 whatever their story is." And then we get to sexual health, and I'm like, um, "Okay, are you sexually active?" And they're like, mm, "Not really." Well, why not? Because it really hurts. But so that those, is those go nowhere on hands? their intake forms. Do it those is, go hand in
1: hand, though. Like the issues with the floor and pain. I would think not, it'd be so much pain, but rather maybe again the prolapse.
2: So like pain that. is a big thing, especially um, because we know that pain is a danger signal now. A lot of um, pain, we we have a whole new slew of pain science that we know that there's no pain fibers, meaning something doesn't, when you touch a hot burning stove, you're you're not experiencing pain in your brain. Your brain says, that's dangerous. I mean, you're going to, now you, it's an output. I will, you will experience pain. Right. Um very commonly postpartum when a a pelvis and a vagina are disrupted by um by delivery. There is a certain amount of protection happening there and inherently then things that start to happen in that area are perceived as dangerous. I call it rebrand. We have to rebrand the vagina Mm -hmm. after delivery so that it's not perceived as dangerous. This is like pre baby, post baby vagina. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, and so, um, and that speaks to a lot of like you were saying about, um, People being afraid of delivery, wanting epidurals, what? Because they're starting to associate this that area of their body with danger, right? And that gets mapped. We start to map um, the neural networks in our brain as um, as this area requires protection, right? Um, but and it moves away from being pleasurable to being yes. something more
1: associated with pain. Yes. yes. Oh, interesting. Yes.
2: I never really thought about that before. Um, and so um, and and so and then that starts to affect a relationship. Of course. And then once the relationship gets affected, then um then they go into protective mode even more. And so these things start to they start to build and they start to snowball. Right. Um and so the interesting thing is though they often go hand in hand. They don't necessarily have to, but when somebody comes into my office, they're not coming in it's less likely. It definitely happens. But it's less likely they're coming in because of the painful sex. They're coming in because they are leaking or because of diastasis, and painful sex gets uncovered in that initial consult. And they
1: weren't, they weren't
2: thinking that was a big enough issue to come nope. to in the yep. first place. That's is. They're right. not motivated to come to me because of that. Yeah. Now, a man, on the other hand, yes, we will we will assess them and. If they're coming in because because of something related to related to sex yeah. and later on in that initial interview comes out, oh yes, I've been leaking for months, right, you know? Right. Um, and so the motivations are very different. Totally. But the certainly um sexual dysfunction is um a massive part of pelvic health. Um Every, things get better when you're when your muscles are working are working well and it should not be painful. But it it, it it's another thing where people are like, Well, what did you expect? You had a baby, right? right? And so it it speaks to I guess um what we think about ourselves as 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 mothers after, you know, there's this really this conflict after having a baby. Am I a sexual being or am I a mother? Right. Um and we we have to navigate that, as and why well. can't we be both? Why can't we why be can't both? we be we parents are both. that have amazing sex lives? Exactly, yeah. we are we we are both, but we you, you have to find yourself again, right? I really think that becoming a parent is an existential crisis, and then we can re reclaim ourselves and and discover new parts of ourselves. Right. Um, although there is a lot of you know there there is internal assessments involved, I do think that it's I think that what we do is much more much. Bigger picture than right, that, right. Um, but you know, there's there are these necessary steps in order to get there. Yeah.
1: Do you have a, a a sense yourself? I think a lot of physicians will tell their their patients
2: not to have sex for the first six weeks, for example. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's a bit arbitrary. Do you have a sense of that? Like that people six should to wait eight week or mark earlier? is
2: totally arbitrary, and yeah. I don't know where it came from. Right. I don't think I don't um, think there's any science around that at all. No. I think
1: many people are healed ish by then, yeah. comfortable enough that they can have penetration by then, though. I don't think it's evidence
2: based. Like some people feel fine right after. Yeah, I think that there's. I, I think that we know like normal tissue. I think it's based on normal tissue healing times. Right. But you that could really be. Up wanna, to you don't want to have weeks, a dirty even. object.
1: Yes. Inside of you. Yeah. When you're when there's a cut there, I mean that's just reasonable. Like you wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't you probably wouldn't rub a penis on a cut on your arm, and it's kind of the same thing, really? right? I don't know. That's not my <laughs> fetish. I'm not sure if that's your thing. I'm sure it's someone's fetish. <laughs> someone
2: somewhere. But that isn't, but, that isn't something you yeah. want to do.
1: And so it's the same concept. You wouldn't want to put a foreign body inside when yeah. there's still an open cut, but I'm not sure that six weeks per se versus eight weeks versus 12 versus four is really anything. Do you, from a physio perspective, have a, a an idea about that? Like whether it should be longer or shorter or just really up to the person?
2: Um, I, I, I certainly think that the six to eight week mark is very, is completely arbitrary. I, it's, Really, the rare case I see where somebody's ready to um, be sexually active at that point. Right. Um, I think hormonally too, like you're, a lot of people probably aren't really
1: there mentally yeah. or, you know, like you're tired and many women are breastfeeding and yeah.
2: your body doesn't really feel like your own at that time. A hundred percent. And I think at that six week mark is, is is a time when you're just coming up for air. Right. I kind of think about that first year is like six weeks and then three months and mm. then six months and then a year, right? right? And each one of those are, are, are landmarks where you finally feel you're like, Oh my god! I can't believe I thought I was better then. Now right. I feel so much better. Yeah. Um. But I, I would say that it's really personal. But I, I, it's not uncommon. I think that a lot of women are embarrassed when they come in. They're embarrassed that they're not having a lot of sex during that first year, and it is very common to not to not feel sexual during that time, right. and to and, and to not be having a lot of sex in that in that first year postpartum. Right. Um. I wonder My what the stats of that, that are. are no. I really,
1: I'm actually really curious. We've we we we've had this sex um, conversation on the podcast before, and I feel like many people um, don't, they, a lot of people lose their sexual desire, appetite, yeah. desire, interest. As a, a sexual person, you lose that a lot. And that's, I think, too bad for relationships and uh, too bad for your partnership. But I actually wonder if there's stats, real stats, like people actually answering the question for real. Maybe we should post that to your group or something. Mm-hmm. How, when is the first time you had sex? how many times in the first year did you have sex or like how frequently or whatever.
2: There's a lot of judgments around that though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's what I mean. Like
1: a real data yeah. like from real people answering truthfully. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Len and I are very open about having good sex lives. Um, As you uh, should be. With our husbands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that we should, we should, we should bring that back. I think um, women should feel more empowered to have sex. Um, and We're I think they want back. it more, bring bring sex back down, they'd want it more if they did it more. So have more and hopefully it'll bring it back into your, into your consciousness.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, I actually, we have, um, we have the 17 year old conversation. I call it my 17 year old conversation around, um, sex, not only, not necessarily meaning, um, um, penis and vagina sex. Like that's not the only sex that you can have. And if you are uncomfortable with it, you don't have to, you don't have to be having that kind of sex, but it is important to be sexually active. Um, Having said that, as long as both partners are on the same page, then we're great. But I do think that women have a lot of guilt around not wanting to have sex and feeling pressured by their, by their partners as well. So it's a, time, it's, a, it's a time where there are a lot of opportunities in a relationship um, and there's a lot of embarrassment where there doesn't, there doesn't have to be. Yeah. But, and, and I think at the end of the day, open communication is the most important sure. part of um, ensuring that that's healthy. Is sex good for your pelvic floor? Good question. Orgasms are. Yeah, tell us more. <laughs> I thought that that would be the answer. Yeah, um, you're kind of doing a Yeah, Google. and orgasm is a pelvic mm-hmm. floor mm-hmm. contraction, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, you're holding and, uh, that blueberry in. <laughs> I watched Doctor Oz yeah. because I'm three months postpartum, mm-hmm. and he said that I think you're supposed to have 54 orgasms a year. Um, I will, I will That's double what, check my references. Week. Once a week, yeah. You're supposed <laughs> once a week. to.
1: Like it's good for you. That, that's, too? that's that's
2: the, yeah. the optimal number,
1: uh, not mm. more.
2: Is it oh, optimal? oh, like too, sorry, much, too I, much. I believe yeah. that's a minimum. I think yes. it's a minimum. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard
1: him it like, More, I come think on. He Says that he has an orgasm every day. Like he tries to have sex like every day because that's really good for him. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's good. It's good for heart and, health. It's good for. Yeah. Um,
2: it's certainly good for your pelvic floor. and emotionally. Um, I mean, some 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 of our clients can actually achieve org- orgasm because their pelvic floors are so tight. Um, Certainly, seeing a pelvic floor physio—that's the worst thing I've ever heard that. in my life.
1: Wait, and that's like penetrative orgasms. You mean?
2: No, they can't. Like, if your pelvic floor is really tight, it's very hard for for you to orgasm. Like, it's it's hard once you're already contracted to contract further. So it often takes longer. Um hmm. you know, People lose interest. They're not. They're. It takes a lot more work, Um and so. A healthy a healthy pelvic floor certainly not only enhances your, your um, uh, healthy sex life, it actually ensures a healthy sex life. Do
1: guys talk about what it feels like like to have sex with their partners
2: post-delivery? If they want to sleep on the couch, they talk about it.
1: <laughs> Do you think that they feel something different? I've asked you before. I think Andrew's like, no, it feels the same. I'm like, is that real? I don't know. <sighs> yeah, you know, you're right. Like, Maybe I'd be like, well, I don't want to screw you Then,
2: <laughs> Right. I, I think that I'm... i, I feel a lot of what I've read has said that it takes at least a year for your vagina to actually, you know, we, we have rugae yeah, yeah. Ru, uh, in our vagina and that, take, that takes a What in here. our vagina. It's the little bumps. But what is it called? Rugae. Am I pronouncing that? Pr- yeah, rugae. Yeah. R-U-G-A-E. Or G-G-A-E. I've never
0: heard that word before.
2: So, on the inside of your vagina is actually, it, your vagina is meant to expand and contract right. both muscularly and also to accommodate a baby. Um, and, once it's been stretched out um, to deliver a baby, because it does stretch out, that is its job. It needs when to accommodate like, the yeah, baby coming yeah. out of it. Um, it in or, Once you get to get back those little ridges, it often takes almost a year for that to happen. Okay. okay. <laughs> is that a French word? <laughs> Okay. Uh, I wonder, if, I wonder Latin. if the guy Oliver. feels
1: the gay. I wonder
2: if he feels that. I, a, l- feel a lot like of women it. wonder about IUDs. You know, do they feel the string? Yeah, I, and and know.
1: some guys tell me that they do feel the string. That oh, conversation I really? have with men, but I've never had this this post
2: gay conversation. Do we have yes. a social like, media group we can post that? Yeah, I kind too? of
1: want to and see if any men. I respond. can see if we can get yeah. some. Uh, like you know, like condoms are like ribbed. Yeah, for you for know, condoms are like ribbed for your pleasure. Like, do they feel the ribbing? Do they feel the stuff on the inside of us? People wear
0: condoms. I don't
1: know. I I have a lot of friends that we work on them, oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not a fan hmm. myself, but
0: condoms. I just
1: got
2: condoms. an IUD for the first
1: time. Come on. I'm really not into the concept of IUD. It feels gross to me.
2: Um some, I think like, I was very scared, but having said that, I um Why we scared? forget everything. I, you know, it's it was scary to me to put a foreign body yeah, inside. But I'm, I, am I used the ring for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really liked it. But it was always, I, the day where you have to take it out or put it back in, was always like I needed twenty five reminders to remember to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I went to that after taking oral, contrac- oral contraception, and I, mm-hmm. and. I would keep extras in my purse just in case I forgot, and I ended up mm. taking like three every day because uh, <laughs> I forgot. This actually postpartum this time I decided I didn't want to do anything with hormones, Um and then I got the IUD. Exactly. I'm not a fan oh. of hormones. hormones. Hormones make me feel yucky. Yeah, I they don't like that yes. I haven't
0: been on birth control in like ten years. So. Me too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like ten yeah. years.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm, I'm I'm good with four. So, Hannah, tell us if there's. Some
0: parting insight you can leave to us about vagina health, about the, what do you say, labia? That's your favorite word? (laughs) Mine is pussy. What do you like, Dean? Vagina. What, You're a doctor. I like vagina. vagina
1: in normally, vagina. She likes vaginal canal. <laughs> I, do <not> Get <laughs> I do not like vaginal, vaginal. canal. Yeah. I do not. No, I say pussy like a normal conversation. Pussy, yeah. yeah, but but not my patients. It's vagina in the office. Best. It's probably yes, the most professional. That's not thing what to I would do. say. Can you imagine parents would be like, "What the fuck did you say?" <laughs> <Pussy>. <laughs> Excuse me.
0: Doctor. This a two-year-old yeah. pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate. No, I, I typically say vagina. Yeah. So what's your like, what's like the wisdom you want to, if there's one message you want moms, I, listeners, I, anyone to hear this, what do you want them to leave with today?
2: I just, I want, I want women to know that they deserve to have a, a body that functions well. They deserve to have a body that they love. Um, and I, I want them to know that they, they, Do get to? I want them to be empowered to take control of that of of it. Um, I find that taking control of it leads to empowerment. But also, I want to empower them to to take those steps because it is very scary sometimes to to take those first steps. And then um, there are people there to help guide you along the way.
0: And I agree with you. I have to be honest. The first time I found out about pelvic floor physiotherapy, I thought it was crazy. And when I told my mom, who's like almost in her, she's in her seventies, mom. I will I'll go to a doctor who looks at my vagina to make sure I won't pee myself when I'm your age. She's like, tell me about this mythical, you <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Every woman of my, of my vintage, we all pee ourselves. That's what we do. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> sorry, mom. I'm
2: sharing your secret, but that's the reality. So, so if someone wants to get in touch with you, kind of how, how can they find you? So, uh, we are pretty active on social media. We're on, on Facebook, vital physiotherapy and wellness Toronto, right. Um, on, um, Instagram, Uh, at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness and spelled out. Um, Or you can find us on our website, vitalphysiotherapy.com. Dina. Yes. Any other... Pieces to close this set. With Your today? vagina can be healthy again.
0: I can't wait. <laughs> it could be. I'm eight weeks postpartum. I want my. You vagina will have to be healthy, healthy sex again. You will yeah. feel good about yeah. yourself
1: again. You can run again one day. You can have a normal, healthy
0: vagina. Your right. vagina so can smile again. Yeah, smiley vagina. Smiley I love vaginas. it. I love it. <laughs> Fish me on the logo. What do you think, <laughs> <laughs> Hannah? Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having coming. me, guys. has been great. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, Asa, for screaming through the whole thing. Okay,
1: that's a wrap. And that was Vaginas with Hannah Ross.
0: <laughs> Episode 03. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoyed the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics that you care about. Please connect with
1: us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want
0: to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week until next time.